Hey guys, this is Clint Carton, one of the hosts of the show, and I want to welcome you to The Christian Culture. For anyone who is joining us for the first time, on this show, we take different aspects of secular culture and try to show how Christ reveals himself to us within that. You can find us on Twitter, at OnTheAdventure2. Our website is thechristinculture.com. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Christian Culture. This week, we were so blessed to sit down with Joel Stepanek of Life Teen and discuss his experience with CrossFit, the culture that has developed around it, and how we as Christians can learn from that. Welcome to the adventure. Welcome back to the Christ and Culture. This is Gordon. And this is Clint. And this week we are joined by the one and only Joel Stepanek of Life Teen. Maybe. Are you there? No, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> there we go. I, uh, intros are so awkward for me, and I didn't know if there was going to be something more, and I didn't want to <laughs> oh, you're good. cut you off. No, you're good. So, I, Well, I was going to say that Gordon and I were talking before. So you're the vice president of parish services at Life Teen, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what, what does that what mean? Does that mean? You, you were working on the new confirmation program that Life Teen put out, right? So that was, that was partially you. So what do you, what do you all oversee? Like, what do you do? Who is, who is Joel? Yeah, I am honored to be able to oversee and lead and manage and direct a couple of different teams and some really great people as we strive to create the most innovative resources in Catholic, well, in just in youth ministry, actually, mm-hmm. the most innovative resources in youth ministry and to establish parishes and support parishes in a way that creates sustainable and vibrant youth ministry that revitalizes their parishes and mm-hmm. leads teenagers closer to Christ. So I'm able to oversee and lead the catechesis team, the parish outreach team, our video support team. I work with Leah Murphy in our efforts in digital evangelization. And then yeah. our one-off resources, our books, standalone programs, uh, things like Purpose and that stuff. It's a really fast-paced, fun job, and I love it. Hmm. Nice. We we actually had Leah on this past summer, and she gave you a shout-out on the show. So and that was actually... A week after we had a good friend of yours, John Blevins, on the show, too. So they're they both kind of talking you up. So I'm glad we actually got to get to chat with you now and actually talk to you in person. They're both such good people. They, uh, I listened to those shows, and they were great, great oh. guys for you two to have. Awesome. Cool. That's that's so cool. So I, I've gotten to meet you a couple times very, very briefly. Uh, first off, at CYMC, we've talked that up here on the show multiple times. And then just a couple weeks ago, you were here in Houston giving a little talk on on iGen and how we can better serve iGen in our ministry specifically is mostly for youth ministers. Do you want to give us like a short synopsis of even what, what that's about? Yeah, when we think about iGen, we're talking about people who were born after 1995. And depending on what sociologist you like and who you follow, they'll give you different dates. But I like the 1995 date. People mm-hmm. who were young, young, young when 9-11 happened, people who were becoming teenagers on or after the iPhone and smartphones hit market saturation. I think those are good markers for iGen. And they're mm-hmm. different in so many good ways. And they have challenges, but there are a lot of opportunities for us as a church. And in that presentation, I just kind of lay out, here's what 
we can do as a church to serve iGen. And a lot of it is what you are doing, which is looking at the culture in which they live and being able to identify Jesus within it. Uh, So Leah Murphy, who you had on your show, Mm -hmm. says we need to be cultural tourists, which I love when it comes to teenagers and the idea that we need to be able to be present, ask questions, journey, and then identify where Jesus is. So that's the focus of the presentation. People are scared of teenagers. And (laughs) iGen, I think, is especially scary because their experience is so different from ours as a teenager. And we don't always know what to do with that. But there are so many opportunities for iGen to step up and not simply lead in the church. But I say in the presentation, they can become prophetic evangelists. They can be people Mm -hmm. who not only evangelize, but are prophetic in a world that needs to hear the voice of Christ and the voice of God. For sure. I think I think one of the reasons why it seems so scary to jump into the teen culture, too, is because it is changing so fast that even they can't keep up sometimes. And so it can be overwhelming for some of us who are a little bit more withdrawn from that. Oh, absolutely. And I think the moment you are no longer a teenager, you're out of teen culture. So I had made a joke in that presentation. There was a a guy, 23 years old, on a retreat that I was hosting. And he mm-hmm. got up to give a testimony and said, you know, I, I understand what it's like to be a teenager because I was just there five years ago. And in my head, I'm like, my man, you are <laughs> you have five no idea. years removed. You have no idea. <laughs> and all these teens are looking at him like, you have no idea. I, I think a big representation of that recently for me, the new Kanye album came out. I'm sure Leah's been talking about that. The Jesus is King album. Yeah, we had a, a brief discussion about that. When <laughs> yeah. I saw her this past weekend. Yeah. And. I, I had mentioned it to some of my teens and they were just like, oh my gosh, y- you actually listen to that? And most of the teens that I've talked to are just like, they don't want to have anything to do with it. And here, if, if you look at anything in like the youth minister world right now, all the youth ministers are just like, oh my gosh, this is this is everything we've wanted. We have the rap world and we have our like faith world coming together. And it's just, it's so detached, even though most of us are only in like our 20s who are talking about this. We're just so out of touch with that. Yeah, I think because we're we're millennials, if you're in your 20s or your late 20s, early 30s, and for millennials, Kanye is an icon. And so for teenagers, though, Kanye is sort of this Kanye's Kanye. (laughs) Yeah. And we've seen him forever. And on Jesus Walks, we were like, yeah, he's a meme. He's a meme. On Jesus Walks, we were all like, on Jesus Walks, he talks about about Jesus. And and then Kanye went through all of this stuff. And uh and then we're like, oh, he's coming home. But for teenagers, they haven't been on that journey. They've just known Kanye the meme. Right. Speaking of which, did you guys see his uh, the family Halloween outfits? He was a dinosaur from the Flintstones. Did not. No, I oh. didn't see that. If, if that doesn't become a meme soon, then I'm sure it will eventually. So speaking of things that are going on, though, let's go ahead and talk about our current media stuff that we've been taking in recently. So, Gordon, you want to start us off? Just anything you've been uh, taking sure. in this week? Yeah, I've been taking it a lot, but I did last week, uh, me and Chris, we went and saw a movie that just came out called Parasite. It mm-hmm. is a South Korean film that, so it's in it's, some it's, it's subtitles, but it's the guy that made Snowpiercer, if you know what that movie is. I never saw it. And he also made the Netflix movie called Okja, which is about like the giant pig. That was super popular yeah. in the awards, I think. But this is kind of his first one going back to his roots and... It's just kind of a, I think it's classified as horror, but I wouldn't say that. It's more of like a thriller, suspenseful, a very suspenseful thriller on just culture and poverty, like economics of South Korea. So like the rich and the poor and their contrast, but also how 
they both need each other and it's so good it was phenomenal i did that and then i've been reading the encyclical redemptio more redemptoris you think yes uh oh my gosh i can't even think of there's two words to it this, it's uh, Redem- redemptoris missio yes 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 thank yeah. you yes i've been reading that for something for one. for a door lately and then just listening to podcasts i've kind of been mostly listening because i've cleared through most podcasts the art of manliness a little bit more i was listening to one today about mobsters and the mafia this guy that used to be in the mob and who left and kind of writes about their code and goes and oh, interviews wow. current gangs um that's it man how many people in ministry does it take to be able to pronounce a Papal encyclical. <laughs> <laughs> At least three. <laughs> At least three. Joel, have you been taking in anything this week? Yeah, I really enjoy reading. So this week I finished up a book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And I really enjoyed that. So I hopped on to the next book that he had published after that, which is Leaders Eat Last. Both have been really good. Start With Why, I think, is a book that's great for businesses, but the church needs. And mm-hmm. the idea is he codifies what makes a company successful. So he's got mm-hmm. different sort of case studies. But if you imagine three, I think, concentric circles and the middle circle is why the circle outside of that is how and the final circle is what and what is our product. And that's usually what we market, right? Hey, this is right. what you should buy. And the example he uses with Apple computers is if Apple started with what, and I love Apple products, so I'm down with this example. They'd say, we make computers. They're beautifully designed and easy to use. Do you want to buy one? And that's standard Mm -hmm. marketing. But he says what Apple does is they start with their why, which is we think differently. We buck the status quo. We even want to be subversive to the way big companies are done. And that's why Apple was founded, to give people the computing power and the ability to do things that only big businesses could do. Uh, They wanted to develop Mm -hmm. computers that did that. And so they would start by saying, we're Apple. We think differently. And we want to buck the status quo. So our computers are beautifully designed and easy to use. And uh, you want to buy one. And that strikes at the heart of people because we can't define why. Why is like in our limbic system. And so when we follow something that we're really heart passionate about and someone says, why do you follow that? It's sometimes hard to articulate because speech is in a different part of our brain. So we struggle to find analogies and metaphors, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he says that when a business starts with why versus what or how, that's how you really gain followers. And I've been thinking about that a lot in context of my new role at Life Teen. But then just in the church, the why of the church is the Great Commission. Go out and not just proclaim the gospel, but heal the sick, raise the dead, proclaim the good news, liberate captives. This is the why of the church. And that why caught people on fire, which is why the church spread so rapidly, even in an environment where it by all means shouldn't have. And then I think about the church today, and I look at Twitter. And we're also focused on the what, not that the what is important, not that there aren't important discussions to have, but it's all the what, the what, the what, the what, and the how, the how, the how, the how. And even when you look at places where the church has fallen short and fallen into scandal, it's because people have forgotten the why. And I think I've loved the book for that reason. It's great organizational read, but I think any church leader ought to read Start With Why and put it in the context of evangelization. So that's the first one. Leaders Eat Last is the one I just started on, which is Leadership Principles. Again, a great read for people, I think, within the church. I've been going back to some old music that I love. My favorite album, which is Black Eyed Peas. Oh, my gosh. Which is their first album. (laughs) And so it's not. It's pre-Fergie. It's P.F. 
everybody <laughs> should listen to it. Black Eyed Bees Behind the Front. It is in the vein of De La Soul, Tribe, just organic hip hop. It's fun. Oh and my then gosh. Um, my wife and I just started season three of Atypical, which is a Netflix series about a uh, young man on the um, autism spectrum and just uh, mm. his journey and story. Really well acted and well written show. Nice. Okay. So you talked about the the why. That's something you you actually brought up at the presentation that you gave in Houston as well, the, the iGen presentation, uh, talking about how how we can like show that to to our teens as well as the why of our ministry. And I think you make a really good point about we have lost our focus on the why because throughout history, I think the church has always been focused on the questions of why and who rather than the what and the how as much. Although, like you said, it is part partly the the what and the how but our first questions have always been the who and the why i think yeah and the what and the how have to be driven by the why and that's right. why it's so important to know it so we did an event for life team called inspiration last weekend and it's this cool event in los angeles at magic mountain three thousand teens go oh, wow. but before we started it with the ministry team I said, this is a great what. It's what we do and how are we going to do it with really engaging worship and a great message from Emily Wilson, who's one of my, a good mm. friend and one of my favorite speakers to listen to. And that's how we're going to do it. But if we don't know why we're doing it, which is to help young people encounter Christ and be saved and to know him sacramentally, then it doesn't matter. And it's, yeah. it's all, it's all kind of, it's not going to capture hearts. And we have to have that why fixed in our hearts first, because if it's not fixed in our hearts and in our minds and on our lips, it's not going to come through in the how or the what. Yeah. Something you said, sure. you're talking about how like the the why and language is in. Well, first, I'm still trying to wrap my head around you put black IPs in the same ballpark as tribe. But <laughs> you've got to listen to the early stuff. Go back to behind the front that. and... Bridging the Gap, those two albums, then, yeah, th stylistically, they changed. <laughs> but if you listen to those two albums, it is, it's, those are their influences. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Um, but the link, the, yeah, the language in our link, limbic system and like, because I, I know the author you're talking about. I didn't know he wrote a book, but I know he's done like TED Talks and people like buy into the why and you know when, with the example of apple it's not like the, the people that purchase the apple products know the why until they're told it and so i'd be curious now speaking to the state of the church if the discussion about more of the what and and the how has happened because not like we like not we we do know the why but also like do some people actually that's wor even working for the church or in ministry not know the why because they've only been taught the how and the what. And if it's, at that point, it's just going to keep deteriorating to where I feel like the only option would be to get the why from from God and prayer. What, what do you do in that kind of situation? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a challenge. And the why has to be embodied by the leader. So I think yeah. that's what uh, Jesus is the why, right? And so right. he literally personifies the why and his disciples all get that because they're mm in relationship with the why. But then as Cynic talks about it, you form sort of a megaphone around yourself and mm. you implant that why in all the people. So in an organization, the CEO embodies the why. And then with all of the executive team, that CEO makes sure that the executive team gets the why. The CEO is the champion of the why. She is the one who makes sure everybody knows and is on board. And then as she projects that to her executive team, they project that down to directors who project it down to staff. And if you have a clear why, 
that telephone stays consistent and everybody stays on board. Mm -hmm. But once it starts to get fuzzy and Gordon, what a great point. If people in the church have only know the how or the what, then yeah, it's hopeless unless they connect back with somebody who is passionate about the why a priest, a bishop, a lay person, somebody who knows it. And then they go, Oh, that's it. Yeah. I feel like we could literally talk about this all day. <laughs> I love it. And that's you, you, the media question is dangerous because when I get on my books, that, that becomes my thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thing right now. Yeah. I, I've actually kind of been putting books off to the side, unfortunately, and I've uh, been taking on stuff that's not as, uh, not as good. So with, with last week's episode with Taylor Schroll, I ended up watching the entire Star Wars Rebels show, the animated show. And then started the Clone Wars as well. So okay. spent way, way too much time on 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 those and did not uh, do hardly any reading this last week. But then the Jesus King, which we've already talked about from Kanye, the World Series, which Gordon, I think you watched more than me because <laughs> uh, I was tweeting about it. Oh my gosh, you blew up our Twitter with that. But so living in Houston, we were watching the Astros blow the World Series in, in Game Seven. So that was kind of disappointing. Or Game Seven. Okay. Well. And then, weirdly enough, I've been listening to a lot of Scottish folk music recently. I know it's super random, but I am going to the Renaissance Festival this weekend, and uh, I get to, <laughs> I get to wear my kilt, and I'm so excited. I've just been listening to Scottish folk music to get myself in the mood. So super, super geeky, and I'm going to embrace it 100% because I'm super excited. So. Are you going to eat one of those giant turkey legs? That is what I think of when I think of a Renaissance Festival, just giant turkey legs. Giant turkey legs. I, I've honestly been preparing myself for that. So yeah, I'm probably <laughs> growing up for whatever reason my parents always called those alien legs to us. So that's what I always knew them as was an alien leg and I never knew actually that it was a turkey. Seriously. Yeah. The things so. parents say to kids <laughs> that yeah. later on you look back you're like, why did you do that? That really messed me up. <laughs> alien legs. That's hilarious. I mean, it worked in the sense that we wanted them more, maybe. We're like, oh, I want an alien leg. But at this point, I was like, why Why did I think that was an alien leg? Or did I think that was an alien leg? I don't know. I feel like on, only your family would want it more if someone said it was an alien Yeah, if leg. they told me it was a turkey leg, I mean, it was delicious. I wanted it because of that. But I don't know if I would have asked for it as frequently. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I'm taking in. A whole bunch of randomness, mostly. And then a couple podcast i've been listening to the catholic answers stuff a lot trying to get caught up on some of my apologetics so with that talking about all the media we've been taking in we're actually kind of changing up today's show a little bit we're not gonna be talking about a tv show or music or song or anything like that we're actually gonna be talking about a different aspect of culture that's kind of blown up in the last i don't know 10 to 15 years probably joel you can probably tell us more but it's it's crossfit so this idea of CrossFit having its its own culture, can you tell us what is CrossFit and what do we mean when we say like CrossFit culture? CrossFit, I hope that none of the founders listen to this because they'd probably be like, that's not right. But CrossFit <laughs> is essentially functional fitness. So it's founded okay. around some core principles, which include nutrition as a main core principle, flexibility, mobility, strength, uh, gymnastics movements, and the idea is fitness. So it's Mm -hmm. not simply, hey, I'm going to go do strength training 
It's not, I'm going to go do some cardio work. It's not, I'm going to go do core flexibility. Uh, it's all of those things. And the idea is to provide a well-rounded fitness experience that produces a functional fitness. So for me, when I got into it, I was not healthy. I had put on a lot of weight since college and I had was a personal trainer in college actually. So in oh, wow. college, I was a certified personal trainer. I took clients and I have this mindset of like, well, I'll never get to a point where I'm unhealthy. But hey, I was also a youth minister and that uh, snowballed pretty quick. You're describing um, my life right now. <laughs> you know, it's like low sleep, not good nutrition, putting off working out because I'm like, well, I'll get to it tomorrow. I have time. And then one day I'm in, you know, <laughs> approaching 30 and I'm like, I I'm not in a good spot. And I had kids and they were old enough to start running around. And there was mm -hmm. one day where I was on the floor and they were running and I was like winded getting up. It was like that. Oh, just wait for daddy. He's got, <laughs> I just need a second to get off the floor, you know, kind of thing. And I'm wheezing. And I thought I can't, I don't want to be that kind of dad for my kids. And so the functional fitness aspect is it's not just, Hey, I can rep out you know, 315 on the bench press for five times. It's, I can do things and stay active in my everyday life, you know, from helping a neighbor lift a couch to throwing my kids in the air to running with them back and forth as we play soccer. And that's what I love about it is that it's not just a one-sided thing. Mm. So what would you say is the, is the goal is just to stay fit then? So the, the culture that's kind of developed around it, would you say that is kind of separate? That's not actually part of what they had intended to begin with? No, I don't. Here's the thing. Let's go back to why. We had this okay. great discussion about yeah. why. And as Let's we were talking, I'm like, this is perfect because it fits in with this. I think that uh, Greg Glassman, who's the founder of CrossFit, would say the, the why, if you would articulate it, is to introduce a way of being, a way of living that mm -hmm. is subversive to traditional fitness models. So he's very outspoken about nutrition and what the common thinking is of nutrition to exercise and what some of the common thinking is in exercise. And he sounds almost crazy as he talks, but <laughs> a lot of what he talks about is now being researched and people are saying, oh wow, high impact interval training, which is what CrossFit is, is actually very effective in cardiovascular health. Talking about how people who perform short bouts of intense exercise, um, have lower rates of certain, you know, uh, chronic diseases versus somebody who's like, well, I'm going to go run for 90 minutes. And those things aren't bad things, but it's just the idea that we do things differently. And I think that's sort of the why is there's this subversive, we approach things differently. We do hard things. And it's sort of this grassroots, almost outside of the gym thing, which is, I believe how it started was people would post, here's the workout of the day or a wad. Uh, mm. So if you ever hear somebody in CrossFit, that's the CrossFit culture language. Hey, did you do the wad today? That's the workout of the day. And people would post it online from CrossFit and say, Hey, here's the wad. Uh, sometimes there'd be a video that went along with it and they were hard. They were not easy things. And they were Olympic movements, gymnastics movements, cardio strength training all mixed into these intense bouts of exercise. And then people would do it on their own in their home gyms, in the gym that they normally went to. And then they would post their results. So they'd say, oh, I had to scale it, which is I, I did something different because I couldn't do what you posted. It was too hard. So I did this. Um, and it formed this sort of community of people all united around this why of we think we can do fitness differently. We think there is a way that is is better. 
And then communities okay. developed around that. So boxes open up where CrossFit Gym is a box, uh, where the equipment's at and where a community is at. And it's a group of people who are often, here's the thing, because the workouts are hard. It's usually people who are more motivated because they're more motivated, tend to be a little bit more joyful. Uh, and this isn't true across the board. I mean, there's there's exceptions to anything, but it's a group of people who are, are like-minded and don't complain a lot. And so this sort of community and mentality forms around it that people want to be a part of. And sort of at the core of that, if I were to distill the why is we do this because we do fitness differently. Mm-hmm. And so like even thinking about the what and the how, when you think about CrossFit culture, the what is a workout. The how is the movements. We have it's high impact interval training, high intensity interval training. It's, you know, Olympic movements is all this stuff. You could do that anywhere and you could right. pay a lot less money than what people pay to belong to a CrossFit gym to do it anywhere. But people don't do it for the what or the how they do it for this unspoken why, which is we are people who strive their best. And this community values that. And I want to be a part of that. Yeah, there, there's kind of the, this community that develops around it. And I, I think that's in a way tying back to the the who as well, connecting the why and the who together. And just out of curiosity, how long have you been doing CrossFit? So I started going two and a half years ago, and it was sporadic okay. that first year because I, I wasn't fully bought into the why, because I didn't think mm-hmm. that I was one of those people. And I, I had seen some friends who had done it and really enjoyed it, and it actually gotten very healthy. But going, I'll say this, going like twice a week to CrossFit basically just means you are in pain all of the time. <laughs> you you never get better. You never excel. You're not going enough to, to really improve. And so you always just leave feeling dejected and like a failure. And so then I took actually a couple months off and then re-engaged it and was like, okay, I'm going to give this my best effort. I'm going to go five or six days a week. And in doing that, it was a transformational experience, not only for my health, but even in how I looked at what CrossFit did and the culture surrounding it and what the people were there for, and then how the church could learn from that. Mm. That's actually something I was thinking about when Clint was kind of telling me about different points he had was like, because I guess I still don't really get it. I mean, it sounds like a very intense aerobics with some maybe (laughs) weights and stuff. uh, See, and that's, uh, I think that's that's perfect because you stand outside yeah. the why. Because even as you're saying, I'm like, ah, oh, but it's so much more than that. Course. Yeah, I know. Like there's there's music and, <laughs> and, I, and even in my head, what am I defaulting to? I'm trying to describe the what to you because yeah. I can't put yeah. that feeling yeah. into words. So I'm saying, but it's it's like a really intense workout, but there's community and like we, sometimes we have inner gym competitions and yeah. everybody there is so like cool and motivated. Those are all what's. It's yeah. the why that's that's driving it. But that's what got me involved was hearing how passionate other people would get about it and then seeing the fruit of it in their life, which in CrossFit is super easy because you can see somebody get healthier. You can witness somebody get stronger. You can see them lose weight. You can see that they're sleeping better because they're less tired. Those yeah. types of fruits are like easy to see. But is the Christian life all that different? Right. And so that's what I was thinking is like, what is, well, originally it's like, you know, the Christian life or someone that's outside of that's like, I don't get it. And you're explaining it to me, but then you're like, but I can see that you're happier and you just seem more fruitful and joyful and you take pain better than you used to. But I was also just curious what the CrossFit of Catholicism would be. And I think that's the, the parish. I think that's the thing is like, 
but I think it happens at a mm. parish level, the way that at the local gym you have, okay. man, there's so many parallels and father Mike Schmitz is a, a crossfitter too. And he's got a video that he did on Ascension presents on YouTube that if, if people are looking for a follow-up to this podcast, listen to the full podcast, then bop over to YouTube and check out this video where he actually talks about what the church can learn from CrossFit. And he's got some really a, great things there. We can put a link in the, the notes too. So if anyone yeah. wants to follow to that. You should, you should. I think yeah. he and I wound up finding out mutually. We were at an event together and finding out that we did, we both were, were part of the CrossFit crew. I had a, a brief discussion about it, but I think when you think about CrossFit and the Catholic church, there are parallels to what it could be. So CrossFit's this big thing, this big idea, but it's lived out in your local gym. And that's where you get the immediate connection to it. And when I go to my local gym, I know everybody there. They know me. When I miss a couple days because I'm traveling and I don't let a coach know, I'm getting texts. They're sending me messages on Instagram. Where were you? Where, where are you? When are you coming back? Like, they're they're checking mm. in on me. I mean, I'll be gone for a week and they'll say, well, where are you going to go work out? Where are you dropping in? Because I can drop in at right. a CrossFit box anywhere and get a workout. And I do. And what's so cool is anytime I go to a different one in any city, whether I'm in Texas or Georgia or uh, Wisconsin or on the East Coast, always welcoming, always excited that you're there. It doesn't matter that that's not my place. The community is always like, it's so cool that you're dropping in. Where are you from? Phoenix? That's great. And sometimes they're like, hey, we've got a drop-in fee. And sometimes they're like, don't worry about it. And where are the parallels? It's a Catholic parish that I go to right. where people know my name, where if I'm right. gone for a while, they say, is everything okay? Where if I'm going to travel, they're even checking in on my spiritual well-being. Hey, is every, how have you been? Are you staying you know, firm with your commitments, like holding me accountable? Yeah. And then when I go to another Catholic parish, am I welcomed? Am I greeted? Are people saying, hey, like you look new. Where are you from? Now, granted, in a parish that has a thousand people show up on a Sunday or even 500 people, yeah, I guess there maybe are some challenges to identifying the new people, but do we take time to sit back and say, that's a challenge worthy of confronting, or are we like, they'll make themselves known, or do they do the blanket? I think I joked about this at the presentation in Houston. Do they mm -hmm. do the blanket? Hey, who's new this week? Put your hand up, you know, uh. and to anybody, <laughs> and we're laughing right now because we know when it's us and we're church people, right? When yeah. it's me and I'm traveling, I'm like, I'm not putting my hand up. Like, I, like yeah. that's the, that's the cop out way of welcoming visitors. You know, the intentional way is having people who ushers who are trained to identify the new folks and say, Hey, I've never seen you here before. What's your name? And CrossFit does that. Well, it's part of the reason why people stay involved. Cause they're like, Oh, like there's a community of like-minded people here whose goals are like mine. And when I travel, if I, if, if you travel, I encounter a consistency, not only in the what, which is the workout I get, but in the how, which is this community of people who are all just excited that we're doing this thing together. Which as the Catholic, which means universal church, we should be seeing this universality ourselves too, everywhere, even if yeah. we're, we're not in all these different parishes. Absolutely. And I'm, I, I get fired up about this because to Gordon's point, spirituality is tough because sometimes we're like, well, how do you really judge spiritual progress? But like, mm -hmm. I mean, St. Paul talks to the Galatians about fruits of the spirit. We can see 
spiritual growth in a person because they manifest these fruits. And Gordon had named some of them. You're joyful. You handle pain differently. You seem more peaceful. Those things are the compelling mm-hmm. fruit that makes somebody say, maybe what you do is also right for me. The same way I saw a friend named Stephen, great guy who works down at the Woodlands, at St. Anthony and Padua in the Woodlands. He nice. had gotten into CrossFit. And I had seen the, the changes that had taken place in his life, not just in his physical health, but in his overall attitude and disposition. And I was like, I want that. I need that. And I just think Catholics today, we are not that compelling. Like we talk to people and either we keep our faith private or we just have lost sight of that why. And so the what is I go to mass every Sunday. I go to my men's group. You know, I say my prayers and we're, we're locked into making sure we do the what and we need to do the what, but we forget why. And the why is a who. And if we connect with that, people become compelled. And that's what I think CrossFit, When you, if any Catholic church should send some people to just do CrossFit for three months, send staff to do CrossFit for three months. So get in shape, which is great because um, they'll be happier. Staff training sessions. So <laughs> just to even feel what it's like to be welcomed in a community, to be challenged to grow, but not pushed out the door. You know, CrossFit scales workouts. So even though what you see is hard, they're like, hey, if you're not at this workout yet, let's find the steps to get you there. Right. You know, like how yeah. often do you walk into a parish where it's like, I'll default to stewardship because I'm here in all the capital campaigns these days. But like, you know, we need this level of giving, you know, but if you're not there, here's the next level or even demanding something high, but then working with you to say, maybe you're not at this level yet. Let's well, work to get you there, though. Yeah, same thing in discipleship, too. You see that a lot in Focus. I'm sure, sure you're familiar with them, the Fellowship of Catholic University students. They have their discipleship roadmap, right, where they scale everything down to where are you in your discipleship journey right now? And let's let's start there. And so you kind of see that in, in discipleship as well. And yeah, and some, I think that's that's key. That's something that you said that I was that I really liked about CrossFit was the, the workout of the day. Where you're like, they would send this out every day and it was hard. And I think that's something we kind of miss in the, in the church of like choosing like the end goal of like, this is what a daily Christian life looks like actually or should look like. But instead of like saying like, this is what it looks like. Let's try to do it. Okay, now you're readjusting it to what you can do right now because that's kind of too much. But rather we just, we, we go ahead and scale it down to let's start here okay now let's do this and it's like we do it step by step and build for people rather than showing like this is what it looks like let's try to do this let's see if you even can do this yeah and like just the idea of like it's hard and it should be hard because it's it's a workout well i think that's even when you think about ministry and i so taking even that crossfit model and the workout of the day and applying it to people when they want to do something from the ministerial aspect so just looking at a parish staff or we get this, we work with youth ministers, but you'll have people who will say, what you're asking me to do is too hard. I can't do it. So I won't. Or you say to a parish, Hey, the best way to be hospitable is to train your ushers to look for new people and have them approach them one-to-one. And sometimes the response, cause we're afraid is like, we can't do that. So I'm not going to try at all yeah. versus, and then what we do as ministry organizations or as people who consult in ministry, we then fear that because we want people to listen to us. So we immediately scale it back. Well, it's fine. If you can't do that, you know, that that's most people can't do that anyway, versus saying every parish should do this. So I work in youth ministry. So what am I going to say? Every Catholic parish has a responsibility to have a dedicated outreach to youth. 
Mm. And now people will say, but we don't have the budget. We don't know the people. Okay, then let's go from that. But I'm telling you that what you will need is a intentional outreach to youth. And we've got Mm. to get you there Mm -hmm. versus, well, let's figure out what is good enough. Yeah, it's kind of establishing like this this baseline of what we we need and going from there rather than just giving up. Yeah. And I think we need to we need to look at that. The idea of pushing people like Gordon said, like, how do we challenge people to grow? Because people want that. And I think that that's one of the areas where one might wonder why CrossFit has been so successful and why there's a culture around it when it pushes people so hard. And there, and I think here's the other thing you have to be comfortable saying, and this is this is difficult, and I work through how to contextualize this within the church, but that it's not going to be for everybody right away. Everybody, anybody can do CrossFit. Anybody. I mean, there's videos of people in their 70s, 80s, doing CrossFit. Uh, there's a woman who goes to our gym. Her name's Chris. She is in her like 60s, I think. And she scales wow. every workout, but she's out there doing it. It's for everybody. And that's yeah. our faith. Our faith is for everybody. But yeah. I think sometimes CrossFit would lose something if people came in and they were like, hey, it's the Planet Fitness model. It's $9.99 a month, no pressure, you know, no, no challenge, come in and do what you need to do and no accountability because Planet Fitness's model is volume. The goal of having a 9.99 easy entry fee is nobody ever cancels it. They never ditch it because it always makes them feel good. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm part of, I'm part of the gym. I'll go next month. And so they actually don't want everybody who's a member of their gym to go to their gym. So they're not going to call you if you haven't checked back. They're not going to notice you if you're not there for a while, because it would actually flood their gyms. It would make them inaccessible if all of their members went all the time. So they want inactive members who still pay. And I think that as a church, sometimes we're like, well, let's just kind of keep people in the boat. And I don't think we ever forget about people. You never do that. But I do think there's something to be said about saying we have a high standard because the high standard produces fruits of the spirit, which produces joy. And if the people inside can be joyful, that's actually what's going to bring more people in is this challenge that uh, to growth versus what's the lowest common denominator just to keep people loosely linked in. Before we keep going, I want to say I feel so like called up right now because <laughs> basically everything you're describing is like essentially my fitness life right now too, but also my spiritual life. So you said you you were like a, a fitness coach in college. I I did competitive martial arts since I was five years old and basically had the same progression. Going to youth ministry, you have the youth ministry diet. You know, you're sitting in an office and hanging out with kids all the time. That's kind of where I am. And then you're just talking about the 999. Uh, <laughs> fitness club like that's literally i got one of those after i stopped doing mma and uh that's that's where i am i think you're you're right on the spot and and you're wrecking me so i i hope this is helpful for everyone else too <laughs> but one of the things i want to talk about because you're, you're bringing up all these different points where we see this crossover what what are like some values of crossfit that we can pull over so we've, we've talked about community we've talked about perseverance we've we've talked about kind of those things what what are some other things that like crossfit develops as a value or, or a virtue, I guess you can even say, that we need to reestablish as a church, do you think? Oh, man. I, went, I dropped in at a CrossFit in California a while ago, and they had the words virtue, mm-hmm. humility, motivation, like painted on the wall. Yeah. And I think those are, those are a couple I'll start with, but the idea mm-hmm. of humility is you can't grow if you can't be honest where you're at. 
Mm-hmm. So again, yeah. we'll take the work out of the day and let's say I'll even go like, yeah, let's take the work out of the day. And it's a heavy weight, a weight that a person knows they can't do or they can't do to get the, the desired stimulus of the workout. So maybe they can do like three reps of this weight, but the design is to do 15 reps so they could spend their time because they are egotistical, because they want to look good, trying to do this heavy weight. And they're not going to get the point of the workout. But if they're mm-hmm. humble enough to say, I, that's, I'm not there yet. So I'm going to scale it back here. They'll actually grow. So I think humility is one. Uh, the okay. ability to look at ourselves honestly in the spiritual life and as a parish and say, where are we at and where do we need to grow towards? And being humble enough to start there is one. I think the idea of like virtue, they have it on their walls. Like virtue is, I guess, similar, but it's a good that's cultivated. So mm-hmm. being able to be diligent I think for people, like I said, who go to CrossFit and for myself, I certainly found this making it a daily practice because and, and something that influences my whole life. So I'll say this. I've learned that if I eat poorly or I uh, Sunday, I love the Green Bay Packers. I'm watching the Packers and I'm having some chicken wings and, you know, I'm enjoying a beer and you I'm not it. eating well. And yeah, you feel it in the workout the next day. And I don't yeah. like it. And I hit this point where I'm like, I would rather come and be able to have a good workout versus eating in a way that at the moment feels good, but is not doing anything for me. So in that, it is something I think about in other aspects of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the cultivation of virtue does. It makes us think about what is the good I'm striving towards in other aspects of my life. So if I'm desiring to become more temperate, that means that I can't just practice temperance in not drinking a bunch, but I do smoke a bunch of cigarettes. <laughs> I right. mean, like, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And then I think the other, I just think community is such a big part of it. Yeah. I think recapturing for churches, what it means to be a part of a community that actually notices and cares and holds us accountable and celebrates victories with us. I mean, you know, I, there's a post I saw a while ago about CrossFit. It's the only sport. And there is a sport of CrossFit where people like do these exercises and they're, they're crazy. There's some documentaries on Netflix. If anybody's interested, you should watch them because you don't think you're going to be interested. And then you're so interested. (laughs) It's the only sport where everybody claps for the person finishing last. Cause there, Mm -hmm. there's always somebody Mm -hmm. who finishes last in the workout, but if they've grounded out and they've tried their hardest, I mean, people sit around and they'll watch. I mean, people don't put away their weights. They don't clean up. They, they clap for the last person in class to finish. And I think even as a community, what does it look like to rally around the last or yeah. the least or the weakest? You know, that's that's first Corinthians, right? Like we honor the weaker parts of the body. What does that mean? Versus sometimes those parts of the body making us uncomfortable. That's a huge piece. When I think about what CrossFit can can teach the church, I th- there's just a lot. Yeah. The idea of dedication, the idea of doing things that are hard, the idea of being fearless in entering into something new, stretching ourselves, dealing with discomfort. I think even the, the idea of like failure is not necessarily the end. I think you kind of hinted on this too, but based off of what you're saying, it sounds like the, the drop-off rate of people, like people stay in this once they get past that initial hurdle, right? Uh, and they realize that even if I can't lift that weight, if I if I do have to scale it back a little bit, I'm still here and I can still grow and get to that point, you know? And so same thing in our spiritual life with, with sin. I mean, we're going to have these, we're going to have these setbacks, these things that kind of, we, they feel like failures, but we have reconciliation. We have a God who is merciful and he's going to 
give us the graces to get to that next step so we can overcome yeah whatever it is we're working through yeah and i think that's that's the last piece i would say that i think is so valuable and like we can capture this in the church crossfit is communal but not competitive and there is like a competitive sport of crossfit but even in that if mm-hmm. you just go to a gym it's communal everybody's there working together but it's not you're doing it wrong if you're competing with people in the class and trying to see where you stack up and where you fall in the rankings of the day because the biggest competition we ought to have is ourselves like and i think that's true in the spiritual journey the spiritual journey is communal and not competitive where i am looking at my own growth uh, somebody described it, the mystery of particularity in that if i'm comparing my spiritual journey or my vocation or my ministry or whatever uh, in my spiritual life to somebody else i've already lost because right. god has a specific plan for this person and a different plan for me and so if i'm measuring my life my spirituality whatever against the spirituality of another person that's really stupid and i've already lost what i should be looking at is just to, to what you were saying hey i fell but i'm going to go to confession and i'm going to be better i'm growing in virtue and I'm better six months in, in the virtue of courage than I was six months ago because I'm working on it. Like, and I'm just thinking about myself versus being so fixated on the other person. And I guess that's that line in the litany of humility, right? The others would become holier than I provided I become as holy as holy I should. should. Yeah. You know, that's the internal competition. I think that's, there's something huge there for, for us as disciples. Yeah. That's, I think there's something too, like this fraternal correction in a way too, where it's less this competition where maybe not fraternal correction, maybe that's not the right term, but I, I feel like at least in my experience in martial arts and a lot of the stuff is kind of shadowing here, you have this support where if you are, I don't know, if you start skipping for a week and you're doing it just because you're being lazy rather than you're traveling or whatever, I would imagine having this community, they're they're pulling you up in a way, they're, they're calling you out a little bit in, in a way that's not shameful, but in a way that they know that you can do better uh, and they want you to to raise up to that. Yeah. And I think it's one could say, well, the reason why they're calling you is because they don't want to lose you as a member and not going to the gym is a risk factor for dropping your membership. But the people who often do it are not people who have a financial interest in the gym. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's not always the owner's that are asking me where I've been or how I've been doing. It's, it's other athletes or other coaches that are checking in. And even within like a workout, people pushing you to look at like what you could do more of. I early on, I had somebody look at me, I had a weight set up and they were like, you can do more than that. And they were mm-hmm. totally right. I was just sandbagging the workout because I was tired yeah. <laughs> and they challenged, they were like, no, like you got to push it. And I think even seeing people we're close to and we know what they're capable of saying, Hey, I know you're capable of more. And uh, that doesn't happen often in the church because we're so uncomfortable with looking at someone and saying something as affirming as you're capable of more. Or even understanding that that's an affirmation. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But I think some people think that that's like calling someone out in a negative way, but in a small way, like recognizing that someone is capable of doing more, even in a workout, is not saying like, you're not doing enough, but it's saying like, I see more in you and and that actually is helpful to hear. So I think this leads into well, CrossFit is kind of known and, and you've kind of made fun of this yourself, how CrossFit athlete, that's what you would call it, right? The CrossFit athlete. That again, to see your 
I'm even using the language. But yeah, it's yeah. athletes. And again, there's something okay. profound about that language of yeah. like you're an athlete. You are a person who strives to to participate in a sport. Right. And that's different than I'm a member of this gym. Exactly. But CrossFit athletes are known and kind of made fun of for talking about CrossFit a lot, almost like the vegan community in a way too. You know how they, they always talk about, hey, have I said I'm a vegan? With that though, I think there's something to that that we can learn from as well, because there's something about CrossFit that makes people want to share it in a way that we don't see the church doing anymore. And we see that in what you guys were just talking about there, where we're not calling each other out. Is that Does that go back to what we were talking about with those virtues and, and values? Does that go back to us not understanding our why? What do you, what do you think that distinction is? I think it goes back to the why. Um, okay. And I'd share this quote. I share it often, but it's a quote from Megan Jasper, who was an A&R executive, I believe, for Sub Pop Records, which is a grunge label in Seattle in the 90s. She says, when you love something so much, you talk about it, you can't contain it. When you find something that you think is the greatest thing in the world, she's talking about teenagers. So she says, what teenager is quiet? There are none. And I think that's it. When you capture the why of something, you want to share it and talk about it because it's like, this thing changed me. And it's it's a part of you and it just kind of comes up. And I think the joke with yeah, CrossFitters is if you want to know if somebody does CrossFit, right. just wait a couple minutes, they'll tell you. Um, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if you could say, how do you tell if somebody's a Christian? Just wait a couple minutes. They'll tell you or show you. I was and, literally I mean, thinking the same thing. Yeah, where it's like, oh, we think it's going to be in this forceful way. When I tell people about CrossFit or that's something I do, usually comes up organically in a conversation, but I'm never like, you should do it. You should go. It's just, yeah, it's a, and it's true. It's a really positive part of my life. It's a great thing that I enjoy. It has made me a better person. I think it's made me a better disciple because it's made me much more disciplined. It's taught me that I can do hard things and that I can compete only against myself and that there's victory there. And all of those things have translated into my spiritual life. And I share that with people, but I never tell people they should go. But I've had more and more people ask about it. Or I, I also do Spartan races and they'll ask about that. Hey, can I do one of those races with you? Hey, can I drop in with you on a class? Can I check this thing out? And it's not because I'm inviting them. It's because they are compelled to know what has changed me. And they see that. That is possible and necessary for us as Catholics. But we have to recapture the why. It has to be so rooted in our hearts that we can't help but share it because our why is a who and we're in love with the who. I think that moves into kind of a challenge for the listeners this week. Can, can that be one of our challenges? Just like how, how do we begin that process of reclaiming the why? If you work in a church, stop. If you work in any ministry this mm -hmm. week, as much as you're able, stop doing the what. Stop thinking about the how and make it an intentional week to just reconnect with Jesus. And ask yourself that question. What is my why? Why do I do ministry? Why am I involved in this? What, what am I inviting people into? And uh, sit with that for a week and see how uncomfortable you are. Because even as I'm saying it, if somebody challenged me with this, I'd be like, dude, you don't know how much I have to do. <laughs> but we're, because, and it just shows how attached we are to the what. Yeah. If we don't have healthy people who know the why working in the church who take time to recapture that, well, then your what sucks and it's not going to work anyway. Even if it's the best whatever, it's just not going to change hearts. And I think if you're not somebody who works for the church and you're striving to be a disciple, take some time to step back and, and say, what is my why? 
about my faith? What's, what is the big reason why I'm, why am I Catholic? You know, what's the why there and be okay with not being able to put it in words. Remember, it's a function of the limbic system. It's going to be hard. You're going to default to the what? Well, because the liturgy is beautiful because of the Eucharist and the Eucharist is a who, but the sacraments are also a what, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's, we use them to describe the deeper reality, mm-hmm. a great way to drill down on that, I think, and to notice deficiencies in our faith is to ask ourselves if we really believe Jesus makes a difference. And like yeah. insofar as, yeah, Jesus saves me for eternity, but does Jesus care about earthly oppression now? And can Jesus make a difference in earthly oppression now? Does Jesus care about my suffering and can Jesus heal me now? Does Jesus want to speak to me and give me a gift of discernment now? And I think that's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, I can buy into Jesus gives me eternity, but can you buy into Jesus matters now? Yeah. And then, and then wrestle with that. Yeah. Dude, you're, you're wrecking me right now. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be taking that, that week to, to refocus. And I feel like every time I, I get to hear you talk at a, a conference or whatever, it, there's something that I bring back in my ministry that just kind of wrecks everything. And, and we, we build up in a new way. So I'm excited. I actually have a meeting next week with my core team. So I'm going to be bringing all this stuff to them hopefully and see what happens. Praise the Lord. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so with that, we're, we're getting close to the end of our main show. Uh, we're hoping to do a little bit for, for the patrons here afterwards. That we can continue this conversation for a little bit. But in, in the meantime, do you guys have any shout outs for anyone? Gordon, what do you got? It's um, a good question. I don't think so. I don't have any shout outs this week. Nothing. Nothing. All right. Do you, do you have any yeah, I, yeah, I got I got like a list, man. <laughs> Go this for is it. Fun. This is it your whole CrossFit team? The most, <laughs> do it. The most forward to. First of all, I to uh, again, if you you mentioned him earlier, but my my best friend John Blevins. If you haven't checked out his stream, what he's doing with evangelization, it is innovative and needed. Go do that, Bearded Blevins on Twitch. If yeah. you're a youth minister, make sure you guys know about that. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, just to the the great team that I work with at Life Teen, Katie Gray. Elizabeth Bayardi, Leah Murphy, uh, who you had on your show, Jessica McMillan, mm-hmm. Ryan O'Connell, Paul Lasota, um, Jose Rivera Rodriguez, Amanda Grubbs, Selena Nunez. Man, I, it, they're they're incredible people. Mario Trujillo, Lily Hannon, Molly Anderson, just incredible, incredible folks. Stephanie Espinosa, uh, who is. Uh, an incredible voice right now as we look at uh, Hispanic ministry in the church. Just some really great, awesome, incredible people. And uh, I am honored to work with them. And those are the people who, if you ever wonder if you've subscribed to Life Team, who's making making things work in an awesome way, it's that group of people. Mm. Yeah, anyone who's listening who's in ministry, guys, I use the resources that, that Joel and his team put out. I use them on a daily basis, and it just it changes the entire ministry. So if you work in ministry, go check it out. If you are a parent, uh, I've said this before, but ltparentlife.com, I I believe is what it is, but check that out. Your your team puts together a lot of stuff for being able to understand youth culture. And I I reference that a lot as well. So I have one shout out here. So I was able to speak at a local parish this past week, and I was talking with one of the the core members, the volunteers. So I want to give a shout out to Justin Daly. He was uh, super excited to check out the show and hopefully hopefully he's listening to this one. So with that, Joel, where can they where can they find you? Where where can they find your your team and the work that you guys are doing? Lifeteen.com. 
there you go super easy i love it and as always guys you can find that in the the notes below and there will be links to everything so make sure you check that out um joel you probably know this already too since you mentioned john he just announced he's doing this new kind of show where he's interviewing people while playing Fortnite. Mm -hmm. he just he just had a monk on the other day and it was crazy yeah right. he's great if you don't check you need to check everybody <laughs> yeah great so with that guys Thank you so much for joining us on the adventure, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you all again for joining us this week on the show. If you enjoyed what we talked about here and you want more, Become a patron and you can get access to the rest of the interview as well as other interviews and other bonus content. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Twitter at OnTheAdventure2, Facebook and YouTube, The Christ and Culture, and everything at our website, thechristandculture.com. Don't forget to check out Life Teen and follow Joel at LT underscore J Stepanek. Thanks again for joining us on the adventure and we'll see you guys next week.